0: You are listening to Ramadan
1: 365 Radio Ramadan three six five podcasts. Bismillah ar-Rahman Radio Ramadan eighty seven point seven FM. Program Reflections. I am your host Zubair Akram, and uh, my Mehman are Sheikh Rudwan Muhammad. Uh, Mustafa Jaane Rahmat Bilakhoon Salam, Shaykh bazme Hidayat Bilakhoon Salam. You're listening to Reflections uh, worldwide on rr365.co.uk and also on Facebook Live. Um, primarily this program is for the listeners of Glasgow. Uh, we've been bringing this program since inception of Ramadan 1996 and Sheikh Rizwan and I have been doing this for a good 13 odd years. Alhamdulillah. Uh, as alaikum
0: alaykum. <laughs> wa Alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. How are you doing?
1: Alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah, I'm okay. Uh, Lahore is uh, warm, quite warm actually today. Um, it was uh, 28 degrees and it peaked to about 35 today. So at, wow. it's, it's, it's quite nice just now. But, uh, yeah, it, it was quite hot this morning. Istanbul?
0: Istanbul, was, it was cold today. Istanbul <laughs> was um, chilly, cold. Not too cold, but I think about 12 degrees. Um, we've got a curfew here, so um, we're homebound.
1: Okay, so it's a, it's, a curfew it's, 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 it's a COVID curfew, right?
0: Yes, yeah, a curfew for COVID announced just before Ramadan. So initially we had the expectations of tarawih in the mosque. And then I think two days before Ramadan started, there was an announcement that they would not be they would not be taraweeh in the mosque, hmm. and then a further announcement of a curfew at seven o'clock in the evening, during the weekdays. So, um <clears throat> so Ramadan here is very much like Ramadan last year in Glasgow, where you couldn't okay. play taraweeh. So, Isha adhan was about twenty minutes ago. So, um yeah. So every every place, I mean, you go from the east to the to the to the centre of the world, which is Constantinople, Istanbul, and then to the West, which is the UK, or and you have a different spread of experiences. Um, last year, it was a complete lockdown in Europe, Europe, and it was open in in um, many places. Mm. But n- now every place is different. Now the UK is completely opening up, and um, Turkey last year, in fact, had a complete lockdown past Eid al-Fitr, so. It's completely different every year. You, you you have to deal with new situations and circumstances, and these are issues beyond our control. Lab, obviously, and in Pakistan, I think Tarawi are still going ahead.
1: Yeah, Tarawi is going ahead. Alhamdulillah. Uh, different places have different rules and different set of people. They're observing in a different ways. Um, where, where I stay, there is like social distancing and all, all with, with masks and stuff, so people are more careful and. There are other places that are mobbed, and mm. Intela probably will discuss this at some point as well. That mm. uh, you go to affluent areas in Lahore, and there are more precautions, and yet more cases of COVID. Mm. Um, and then there are areas which are kind of you can call them slums, and you could call them kind of like not so affluent areas. Uh, people are not adhering to the warnings. The, the masks are not as uh, widely used, and distancing is not there. But, but you 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 don't see that fear. You don't have people uh, getting into the state of like um, oxygen and um, respiratory issues. Um, mm. Life seems to be normal there, uh, very normal.
0: It seems to be normal. So obviously, these observations from a distance. Until you mm. you um, go into the, the actual statistics and the the data, which which. May Maybe prove different. otherwise. Yeah, so, you know, COVID, one of the things about the COVID um, context, and especially the rollout of vaccinations, it shows the injustice of, and the kind of class and social and economic injustice of even the pr- pr- provision of medicines and access to medicine, access to information, and the ability to socially distance. Because to socially distance, if you think about it, is a luxury to be able to have the area, to be able to spread and to create distance is a luxury that, you know, um, very few people have. It's not perhaps even part of the conversation of, you know, perhaps furloughing somebody in a country. And in fact, you know, there's about five to six billion people in the face of this earth that are, that are afflicted by various degrees of poverty. So the vast majority of the world's population are under what the, you know, the World uh, Economic Forum would consider to be under a, a base level of um, absolute poverty, which is $2 a day. Now, if you think of it in that in that perspective, you know, vaccinations, the rollout of vaccinations, you've seen in Israel, for example, the vaccination rollout in Israel has been very much along, along apartheid lines where um, the, the provision has been speedy for its, for its own population within the borders itself and then within the borders of what is supposed to be the Palestinian authorities within which you have enclaves of of checkpoints and, and occupation the rollout has been as, as bad as any other country around that area in terms of the policy of, of rollout of. and so it shows this idea of economic injustice and social stratification everybody views this from their own perspective So everybody looks at it and says, well, you're you're saying in affluent parts of Lahore, there's social distancing and less, you know, more cases or whatever. And, you know, if you were to speak to a a hospital medical officer in one of the slums, they would probably tell you a different story in terms of the intake of cases um, and the spread of cases. And it'd be a completely different story. So Actually, I, was, I,
1: I was involved in, in in a project here. Uh it, it was a publishing project for the last six weeks. Very intense, very uh kind of um time-taking. My working hours were like 14 hours a day, sometimes 16 hours a day. And most of the work was getting done in places where there was absolutely no precautions. Um uh, and people's lives uh, I would say They were normal, um, interacted with people uh, from kind of lower uh, labor, uh, manual labor. And then you would come to places which are defense, DHA, Phase 5, and all, you know, these all posh areas. And I I know you're saying with the stats and stuff, but. You, My my first-hand experience is there were more cases. uh, You would hear about at least more people falling to COVID in these areas than you would see in those smaller areas, uh, densely populated areas. Maybe it's it's immunity level. Maybe it's... uh, We were discussing as friends that possibly this is what nature is doing, shuffling the cards. The, the, The ACs are
0: now... You know, that's in late science. I mean, I, I understand exactly what you're saying, but it's kind of when I'm speaking to somebody about Islamic law or theology and, you know, they have a theory of why Islam does X, Y or Z, or, or Islam tells you to believe in X, Y and Z. So the theory there is very much um, self perpetuating They say that this is why Islam tells you to do this or that. And so how you make sense of something from the outside makes perfect sense to you and your peers and uh, you know, sitting around having a cup of tea and saying, you know, this is what Islam says, until you realise, no, it's not what it says, and the the the, the received wisdom is not what the what the, what the actual fact is itself. And you know, if you manifest, if you if you magnify that, it's very much in an extreme. It becomes a type of um, echo chamber. That very much similar to, you know, we're talking about the Quran, Surah anbiya we're covering this this year is a Meccan chapter. A lot of the a lot of the um, opposition to the Prophet ﷺ from the Meccans was very much based on an echo chamber of their beliefs that they self-perpetuated and continued by themselves within themselves, that you know, polytheism makes perfect sense the economic benefits yeah. of people coming to pilgrimage were having 360 idols better than having one idol because you have so many different opportunities to make money etc cetera, etc cetera. different days that people yeah. come in festivals rather than just one day you know it makes sense until you analyze it and so absolutely they i mean there's perfect validity in saying that there is some kind of um, kind of a localized herd, herd immunity or appearing in in populations that have very high density of 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 inhabitants absolutely makes scientific scientific sense from one perspective but the basic logic of it is is still observational from your perspective so Mm. how many people do you interact with the type of strata of people you interact with how you get your information about you know in defense for example lots of people are getting it from what i've heard you know to what degree can you have that same interaction with people who are less well off you know so there's a big, deep question there, which is about how we get our information. Like when the Prophet ﷺ started preaching in, in Mecca al mukarramah it was hearsay by the polytheists and the kuffar about the Prophet ﷺ, and they spread it to other people and they had, oh, we've heard about this person who's spreading mischief and, and um, you know, breaking bonds between families and causing an uprising amongst the slave population and this and that. So until you... Look and you hear from, you know, as we say, the horse's mouth. You know, as you, you, you go <tabayun> right and... I'm sorry?
1: The, last year we we covered this concept, tabayjun. tabayyun. Tabayyun. Yeah, so uh, in, in surah Hujurat. So you have to
0: verify. <tabayun> <tabayun> if, if 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 an irreligious person comes to you, but generally if somebody comes to you, with a piece of information for You know, you you, you check, but the checking is of different levels. If you're making a claim about, you know, something that like we observably um, studied, like like cases of COVID, so you can test positive, negative, then tabayun is very clear because you're saying, okay, you're saying this, but we can test it. So you know, hmm. religion and its and its validity and its truthfulness is based upon tabayun. And تثبوت, as is commented on by Ibn Abbas, the meaning is تثبتو, meaning to establish something. Um, and so, you know, if it wasn't for the fact that we have to check and clarify and, and give proofs, you know, Imam Malik said, no, it was Ibn Sareen. he said that من شاء من شاء. If it wasn't for the isnad, the chain of narration and the authorities that you rely upon proving your point, everybody could have said what they wanted. So I can sit back and have theories about science and everything and religion. And, you know, everybody has ideas about politics, religion, science. It's just recently people have ideas about science. Remember in the past, people had ideas about religion and politics. Everybody would speak about those two. But now since COVID, you have conspiracy theorists, you have neo-scientists that are pretending to be scientists speaking in the name of science, which is proper science as well. So every, as the Quran says, every, every party is happy with where they are. You know, everybody's happy in their own bubble, in their own echo chamber. And you know, when it pe- becomes difficult is when you speak with the other side, the, 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 op- the opposing thought um, leaders. You know, as for myself, for example, you know, there's no point in me speaking to Muslims who are convinced about Islam to realize Islam is true. I have to speak to somebody who hates Islam to realize this is their point. How can I prove it wrong?
1: Interestingly, you say that most people live in their own echo chambers. Most people live in their own bubbles and very few people. Who, uh, and,
0: you know, the, the people that don't live. Yes. Yeah, so, the, you know, the people that don't are the are the, are the great legendary figures of our community.
1: Yes, this is the ignores truth. Ignores yeah.
0: yeah. You know, like Imam Juwaini said about him, he said about himself in Tabaqat al-Shafi'i al-Kubra that every morning I wake and, and, and dive into the, the oceans of disbelief, into mm-hmm. the ideas of disbelief and kufr and the ideas of the philosophers and the, and, the, and the heretics to find out what they believe, to bring out their ideas and then to challenge them. That's he awesome. refused to, he, he basically refused to stay in his echo equi- chamber because essentially he wanted the truth. Mm. And um, you know one thing about the Quran is it's always there, and and it's fascinating because it, you know the Quran. In fact, we cover this today. Um, the Quran it actually quotes the the words of the, of the polytheists in of, of the Quraysh attacking Islam, mm. and it tells you what they said exactly, quoting word for word what they're saying. Mm. Never saying this, I think this idea. We need to. Oh, it's a lack of respect to the Quran or the Prophet ﷺ or Islam that we don't want to repeat what they're saying about Islam. No, the Quran says exactly like it is. Do you know why? Because it can then dismantle it and put it to bed. Hmm. Hmm. And this is unfortunately something that we've become very um, you know, scared of that we don't allow people to ask questions. We don't allow people to challenge or to question things. And we tell them, no, no, you can't ask this. You know, you're not allowed to ask this question. You know, see, yeah. We've told you this is Islam, You know, I'm sorry, it doesn't work. It never will work, it never has worked. And so why are, are you know our are, are, are religious scholars insisting on this pathway when everyone's saying something different, essentially? We're different if they're all saying the same thing. They're all saying something different and they're all saying insisting on people following them. Those days of following religion blindly have gone and disappeared a long time ago. And what remains is
1: <sighs> but but yeah, what I'm witnessing here is not what you're saying it should have been. What I'm witnessing here is mob mentality. Um, you know, the, the, I, I, I touched upon this yesterday. This city that I'm living in just now is on a halt. People are getting killed on the honor mm-hmm. of Prophet Um and defending the honor of Wasallam. And it's almost at the brinks of civil war where it's not mm-hmm. being reported um, because there is a media blackout. But what you see filtered out in social media and reports from the streets, there are scores of deaths. And people, you know, what's been quoted is we are Lashkar Husseini, and uh, the Sadum with the state is justified. If it was justified, then it is justified now because we are on hacks you know so yeah so it, it is blind following I'm, I'm i'm afraid to say and it, it just nothing is challengeable anything you say is blasphemy
0: mm-hmm. not that i mean i don't know the specific details of what's going on in Pakistan i've heard the, the, the kind of broad strokes but essentially you know the, you know islam came as a very enlightened religion not you know vis-a-vis enlightenment the european movement of of ideas but enlightened meaning it required you to provide evidence to study to prove to argue to um, present what you have and and what it's based upon and that's how it progressed it progressed upon the, the the fitness you know survival of the fittest idea is what I like to call it. It's not the survival of the fittest, like evolution, but this is the survival of the fittest idea, the the, oh. the fittest um, proof, f- the fittest evidence. And so we we've kind of gone very distant from that idea. In our, you know, even to, for somebody to discuss something with somebody else, within um, thirty seconds, it's um, you know they pick the chair up and throw it, or they start shouting, or it's, you're unable to have any debate or discussion. At all, in the in the way that, you know, schools in the past used to have hours, days of discussions. One of my teachers, um, Sheikh Bahlawi, he, he used to discuss things and sometimes debate things for days. An issue that mm. myself and himself, he was discussing. We would end up disagreeing and we would end up protracting that discussion for days. Mm. That, that mentality is, has disappeared, unfortunately, from our community. Um, and so it doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. It just means the people that shout loudest are the ones that are heard and that's very unfortunate but end of the day long term you know, the people that are, are speaking the truth essentially do find that they their voice ends up winning in the end and so that's you know it's always important to understand because the quran essentially i think that's what it comes to tell us it's not about who shouts, shouts loudest it's the it's the one that provides the clearest proof you know, so if it takes 13 years for the Prophet ﷺ to even reach the ears of the Quraysh In fact more, 20, you know, well 7, 16, 17 years Let it be 17 years Let them shout, let them fight, let them wage war In the end they will have to come come round to the truth And I inshallah believe that the Ummah itself You know there are many people that want such good for the Ummah Among scholars, amongst lay people that At a certain point those voices will be heard There are very good, sane you know, moderate, I wouldn't say moderate in terms of political, but moderate in terms of Islamic law and theology that are there, that are are doing silent work, you know, doing the work silently, are changing people's lives and progressing, inshallah.
1: Uh, Reflections with Sheikh Rizwan Muhammad uh, on Radio Ramadan, it is 7.7 FM, rr365.co.uk, listen live, and also on Facebook Live. Uh, time just now in Glasgow is 7.52. Uh, today's ayahs, Surah Ambiya. Um First five ayas and we'll go for some comments from Sheikh Rizwan after we've listened to these ayas.
2: In
3: the name of Allah, the entirely merciful, the especially
2: merciful.
3: The time of their account has approached for the people, while they are in heedlessness turning away
2: my team the cream will be him that's in the last time
3: no mention comes to them anew from their Lord except that they listen to it while they are at play
2: learn here wa asarru al-najwa allatheena <laughs> zalamoo hal hadha illa basharum mithlukum afata'toona as-sihra wa antum tubsiron
3: with their hearts distracted and those who do wrong conceal their private conversation saying is this prophet except a human being like you So, would you approach magic while you are aware of it? The Prophet said, My Lord knows whatever is said throughout the heaven and earth, and He is the hearing, the knowing
2: bal qalu allahu suhlam min bal iftaru bal huwa falyatina falyatina bi ayatin kama arsala al awwalun
3: but they say the revelation is but a mixture of false dreams rather he has invented it rather he is a poet so let him bring us a sign, just as the previous messengers were sent with
1: miracles. So, uh, Surah Ambiya, she's just going straight into this, uh, the first ayah um, we covered for the last two, three days. Uh, by the way, just a reminder to the listeners that Iftar is going to be at 8.36 today. It is 7.55 just now. Uh, you're listening to Radio Ramadan's program, Reflection, with your host Zubair Akram and my guest, Sheikh Radwan Muhammad. Um, surah Anbiya, which is a 21st surah of Qur'an. Um, and we went into quite a de- quite a bit of detail of what uh, the, the intro of this surah is and what, what the, the message, the underlying message is going to be in this surah, which we'll be, inshallah, covering throughout this month of Ramadan. So, Sheikh, uh, the second ayah, I think, is what we started on.
0: Yes. Mm. Yeah, bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim So this, you know, we're, we're, we're starting off with an amazing introduction I said before the introductions are such keys to the, the These are the you know, keys to unlocking the understanding of a chapter You know, even a chapter which seems to be so simple about You know, Mecca, which is about Tawheed It's about Risala It's about, um, you know, the, the judgment These are the basic themes you expect at all times in Mecca Nothing extra to that Historical Narratives about previous prophets, perhaps, but that's it. But what's interesting about Mecca is not what's said, it's how it's said. So it's mm-hmm. a rule. Mecca is not what's said, because what's said for over 13 years is essentially Tawheed. This is essentially what's saying. And the prophets are true, and the message was the same for every prophet, and there's a judgment at the end of the day. That is what's said. It's said in different ways, and, and the intrigue is how it's said. And what I just mentioned actually in the previous section Was about the fact that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Is going to paraphrase And sometimes quote directly from the people That are the enemies of the message itself So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Will then provide you a picture you know, Almost like a cinematic presentation Of what's happening here Allah says من من That there never comes to these people um, uh, A new reminder So there never appears upon these people a time except that a new reminder comes to them and, and they listen to it. And this is the whole point. They listen to it. But how are they listening to it? The whole point is not what they're doing. It's how they're doing it. It's abun. they are. There's no intention to, to benefit. There's never been any intent to engage. And so this is, you know, the dialogue idea or the presentation of an idea that somebody's listening to you. You can imagine nowadays this would be the same thing that people who tell other people about religion, people might listen to you. But you know, it's like Thomas Carlyle. He said that you know, if if Jesus came to Victorian England, people would invite him to a banquet at their residence and then ask him to speak and then mock him, and then continue with the jokes and the triviality of their evening, because it's not important. So the Quran gives you this idea of. The truth of Islam and the truth of the faith And truth of the principles Are juxtaposed with this mentality of You know, what is life except Life and death and going into the grave And nothing is going to overtake us As the Quran says Except the passage of time itself You know, Mm. you're just here to enjoy yourself That is a a message that everybody's been essentially Perpetuating on earth That doesn't believe in the hereafter That, you know, watch pre-COVID, you know you know, the pandemic, it was all about enjoyment, it was all about splashing out, it was all about the, the here and the now and never mind about paying and never mind about worrying about the effects of things the Quran is saying these are essentially the same people يلعبون, they're just lying playing around
1: So Sheikh so the, the, the question is, why do you want as a religious leader why, why does religion want me to be so regulated, so regimented that why not enjoy? What's the problem with that? What am I doing yeah, here? Nobody,
0: yeah, yeah, absolutely. Nobody's saying regiment and nobody's saying... So okay. this is the mentality that religion can be, you know, converted into. It can be changed into. People want to regiment it and make it into an army boot camp. You know, you could have and make religion an ideology or, you know, a kind of a form of oppression and it would work perfectly. But since when has that been the case? The Prophet Islam, was the most, you know, one of the names of the Prophet is Al-Bashir, which is this person who brought just such happiness and good news to people that it made them feel good. And the Prophet used to, you know, he used to smile and he used to um, joke with his, com- his companions ﷺ. Um, and so there's nothing in the religion itself that, as a pure religion that says anything about regimentation and straightjacketing people. You know the process him accepted. You know I said before, you know the food of different cultures, the clothes of different cultures, the the people of different cultures. He had no problem with any of those things, but he did have a problem with your thought and what you believed and what you did to you know, in a sense, apply that such as oppressing other people. Religion is essential for protecting the rights and the freedoms of people, and this is something that's so important. It's not the opposite. People never made religion something that actually restricts freedoms. It is there essentially to provide good news and then to allow people to think for themselves. And what's happening in the Quran here is it's presenting this picture of people that are hearing the message that they should just be open minded and just listen to it and, and, and make their mind up.
1: No. من من so they listen. To it, jokingly, mock it. No,
0: you know, it's as if it's happening, and they're just playing, you know, PlayStation, mm. and they're saying, "Oh, okay, good, okay, next." But that's not it. You could say they could be playing, but they're attentive. So what somebody could say, well, they they can they can multitask. So the Quran says, <laughs> the depths of their being, which is the qalb, which is the heart, which which is Al Ghazali says the place where everything turns, is full of diversions. There's no intent to engage in the message. There's no intent to listen to what's being said, and so the Quran says, if they do, if they reject it, it's not because the message is, you know, unsubstantiated or untruthful or false. It's something to do with their psychology, their mindset, which is they're they're busy with other things physically. You know, their body would be physical, busy with other things. But you can see, okay, they can multitask. But no, لا هي their hearts are just full of diversions And then Allah then provides A very interesting idea Which is Quoting the, their very secretive discussions Amongst themselves about the Quran And the wrongdoing You know you can translate They secretly whisper to themselves You know when they're together Najwa is this kind of closed Secret You know whispering amongst people And what did they say About the, about the Prophet you know, isn't this just a man? You know, just a human being that we used to know, who was born from this woman and this person that passed away, and he was amongst us walking about, eating food, and walking in the street, and in the in the marketplace, and helping us do all these things. Hmm. And they're saying, how can you, you know, to, why are you listening to him as a prophet? He's a he's a human being, mislukum like you. But as the Qur'an, you know, the Prophet ﷺ. You know, in in Ramadan we fasting, don't we? We fast. In the process, i used to fast. I say Ramadan. He used to sometimes continually fast, perpetually fast, never breaking, It's called wisal. And the companions tried to vie with him and tried to copy him in doing that. And the process extended his fast to show them they couldn't do it. And one by one, they, they were unable to fast because one two days they became exhausted, they fainted, and the process, you know, said to them, lestu ala hayatikum. I am not like you. So the whole point here is the Meccans are saying he's a, he's a man like us. And the Prophet is saying to, to, to the, his own companions, I'm a man unlike you. So obviously you can be a human being, flesh and blood, live and die. But there's something special about you, which is your connection to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, which makes you a special type of human being. And this is why the Prophet then said, Rabbi <laughs> That I spend my nights with Allah, with my Lord It is he who provides me with food and drink And so we have the balance between the Prophet being a human being Going through the difficulties and, and tribulations and illnesses of human beings And the difficulties and, and the heartache of being a human being And then on the other hand you have this quality which is teaching us that you know Even though we try and approach him and be like him and And take on his sunnah and try and follow the things that he did There's certain things that he has that we'll never have, that he's a special connection with God, a special connection which, you know, sometimes we have connection with other people. Like you have a friend and you have a very close friend.
1: Hmm.
0: And then you have somebody who you're in love with, for example. Hmm. And so you can say, well, I'm a man. That person's a man. He's He's my work colleague. That's a work colleague. Yeah, but not a work colleague like this work colleague because this person I've created a bond with. Special bond And and the, the Quraysh they say Are you then going to follow quote unquote magic Which they're saying the Prophet is bringing magic yeah, While you true. can openly see That he is a human being hmm. And so this is fascinating Because the Qur'an is not telling us what to believe It's telling us the people who disbelieved And why they disbelieved It's giving us a quote Exactly of what they are saying And then Responding to that, the Prophet ﷺ is quoting him He said He said, the Messenger said In other words It's my Lord, my Rabb Who is cognizant and knowledgeable of Every single thing that's said in the the heaven and on earth It's he who is ultimately the hearing And ultimately the one that is cognizant and knowledgeable That's it so it gives you what? It gives you the message, hisab's coming, and then it gives you the reason why people disbelieve, which is to do with their own psychological makeup.
1: Reflections with Sheikh Rudwan Muhammad. Uh, people who are listening uh, on radio, uh, you will be listening to now, uh, the, coming up is an ad break, and Facebook Live people will have to just wait and, uh, until we are back. Uh, Very interesting discussion. Uh, I'm going to pick on a few themes after this ad break. One is uh, mindset, whereas Quran says quloob, heart. So the connection between the heart and the mind. Uh, Sheikh just translated it as mindset, whereas Quran says it's heart. And then also mocking of the Prophet. I uh, did people mock if when they did short ad break and inshallah we'll be right back Around uh, We were discussing this uh, I picked up on this point where you said mindset whereas the Quran says heart no, uh, the one before that. So, Their hearts are distracted, whereas you're saying it was a mindset. So the mindset, is there a the connection between mindset and heart?
0: Mm. Yeah, I, I, I said mindset. I think, um, so when I was saying The Qur'an says their, their hearts are... So their hearts diverted. are distracted, right? Distracted. Lahiya is like lahu, lahu is like a playful um non non-engagement with something. It's kind of a, a throwaway kind of attitude that you have. Mm. So it's an attitude. So qlub is used here in the Quran because Qalb first of all as a word indicates something that changes on and off. So it's it's very interesting because the Quran could have used aql here at all as well. It could have clearly have used it um what they think. It could have used that word the root as well. The reason I used Qalb is because the heart is by its nature fi al-qulub." So the Quran uses this idea of the heart's turning constantly back and forward You know, tick-tock, tick-tock, on-off You know, the heart is something that you can't control It's something that changes from one idea to another idea It, go, it in fact should be one thing then another And so... One of the reasons the Qulub is, the Qalb is used here, heart specifically, is that it's so um, erratic. But the other reason I used um, mindset, I think it was, is because in, in, in our understanding of psychology, mm. Islamic psychology and spirit and spirituality, the Qalb, which is the heart, the physical heart and the place where you can think, and the aql which is the place where you think and you understand, and the Nafs, which is your you know, your spirit, and a ruh which is your soul are very very closely connected to the point that you know Imam Ghazali said that they're almost interchangeable from one perspective but they have a very specific meaning from another perspective but when the Quran uses qalb generally means the place where you make decisions and think so if you look at if you look through the Quran you'll find qalb and what it is indicating is the place where you may understand the nature of things So mindset is essentially where you understand the nature of things. So their minds are preoccupied, even though you see the heart. The heart would be an emotional attachment, but essentially it's a much more interesting discussion here because it's saying that they are diverted in the way they think and their affections both, you know, it kind of incorporates both of them. And so, you know, what does that mean? It means that when we're speaking to people, we're not just speaking to their emotions. We're also speaking to, to their intellect. And the Qur'an, when it speaks, it doesn't just speak to our heart, doesn't emotionally blackmail you or emotionally try and convince you on something. It also, as you know, the Qur'an very clearly provides very strong, strong proofs for God's existence and for God's being one, unified in in essence and attributes and actions. And therefore, it includes the most intelligent of people who are the higher level of intelligence and intellect amongst human beings, and it also appeals to the masses who are, you know, essentially led by their hearts, their affect, their emotions, their affect- affections towards things and imagery and connection to something. So love is a very clear example of that. You know, if you love something, you will follow it regardless of what people say to you, whether it's rational or not. You can, you know that in love stories, in in, in, in classical literature, where somebody falls in love, despite the fact they know that it will harm them, like... Layla Majnu and Romeo Juliet and, um, you know, all the classical stories which are essentially the same about Mm. following a path that you know will lead to your destruction, essentially. And you remember it's always about the heart. The heart is taking you down a pathway that your intellect is saying don't go to. But, you know, the Qur'an is such a fascinating book because it uses the words when you could expect it to use another one. But there's a very deep, deep secret. As in this situation, mm-hmm. you know, their affections, their heart, their intelligence, their 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 judgments are essentially based upon this diversion, this kind of playfulness, this kind of um, lack of interest, lack of seriousness. Lahu mm-hmm. is just playfulness. And so how can you take somebody who's, who's acting and judging and coming to decisions playfully as being of any, you know, you could say, you know, imagine somebody said something They said, I'm just joking. Hmm. You'll never take them seriously because you know if you say something jokingly. The Prophet said, "There's three things in Islam that the 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 the, the seriousness in them is seriousness, and the, and the jest and jokingness is seriousness." Mm. And so, in certain situations, like talaq, for example, the Prophet said, "You cannot joke." You know, there's certain things you can joke. I mean, life is It has you know. Places where you where you where you you know kind of have humor and different ways of speaking, but there's certain things that you know truth. When you're trying to speak about truth, you can't just mock and you can't just come up with very vague judgments and vague kind of ideas, Um and so that's very very important. I think in terms of the Quran, how it structures this, it goes into the depth of the psychology of the person that's refuting, and if you understand the psychology, you will very clearly understand that there is a, t- a, a lesson for us here, you know, in terms of how we present our faith, how we teach and propagate and educate people, which is we have to take into consideration their mindset. We can't just, you know, the Quran, why is it have three verses here that tell us about their mindset if it wasn't important? Is it important? Why is it mentioning it? It must be important because it's part of the Quran we recite in prayer that just if you just understand that one thing I, I'll, you... come back
1: I'll come back yes. to you on that one i want to pick up on this one before we come back to this one the the other thing which is important is the evildoers would converse secretly saying is this one not human like yourselves would you mm-hmm. fall for this witchcraft even though you can clearly see so this allegation of quite quite a bit of blasphemy quite graphical Mm
2: -hmm. uh,
1: which we are faced by almost every day and we as Muslim nations now are asking, Mm -hmm. there must be some legislation around the the, the sanctity of the Prophet and and the honor of Prophet while Quran quotes how he was treated within his own community at the time. He he was called names, he was called uh, a majnoon, he was called a sorcerer, um, and uh, and all sorts. How do how did the community deal with it then, and also why is it that people always resorted to mockery and name calling?
0: Yeah, so to take the second one first, I mean mockery is is the classical weapon of people that are disenfranchised or are unable to produce. You know, either disenfranchised means the weak or mockery on the other hand is is the weapon of the, those that have no recourse to any proof or evidence for what they're saying so it's either one of the two either you're you're the, you're the you're the weaker party the oppressed which uses you know comedy and you find this nowadays so many muslim comedians coming up through the ranks and i guarantee you, the reason for that is if you listen to their material it's because they're they're playing on this idea of prejudice that they're facing guarantee it if you look at it it's all about underdog is all being oppressed and and mm. and bringing some kind of humor out of the fact that they're dis- disenfranchised but mm. mockery is also the 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 tool and the weapon of those that are unable to respond to a, an argument which is strong with a likewise an argument which is strong which is you know mm. the kuffar here mm. it's not because they're they're weak they're strong so where where is their mockery coming from? It's coming from a position of strength, but because they cannot respond to it with any rational argument, they'll use mockery. And this is why you'll find you'll have comedians, Muslim comedians talking about Islam and and it's a source of you know humor. And you'll find anti-Islamic, anti- Islamophobic, and Muslim hate preacher comedians essentially producing their material from Islam. you find this. Um, joke last year about the the Christchurch shootings, where somebody in, Amer- in in Australia made this joke about taxi drivers, and essentially it's the same thing. You, both sides use it as as a as a form of of mockery, as a as a form of humor. Essentially, that's what it is. So that thing is is separate. The, the way that how did the commu- early community deal with the attacks and the process? And there's something that needs to be. Um, Address which is not that, that's too simple a, a simple question. Because the Quran quotes, as you rightly have said, the Quran quotes exactly what the antagonist would say. Sha'ir, <laughs> Majnun. You know, all the, all the, exactly as they say it, the Quran quotes it, copy and paste essentially what they're saying because it wants to respond to it. That's a separate thing. We can allow people to. You know, say anything about our faith or the origins of our faith, and the attacks on our faith in terms of um, you know some kind of any kind of description that's that's there. But there's something else, which is every society has its own boundaries and 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 and, and sacred places. You know, for example, tomorrow, yesterday was it yesterday that there was the, the 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 burial of is it Prince Philip? I think it was the, the, the husband of the yeah. Queen. Yeah. Now, and before that, there was the the, the death of a very famous um, um, army veteran, and I, I don't I can't remember exactly who it was, but because I'm not no longer I was no longer there, I, I didn't follow it. But there was a, there was a there was a veteran who'd raised a lot of money for the the British oh, yeah. um, crossed, National yeah, Health. Yes.
1: So he, he was o- over a hundred years. Yes.
0: Over a hundred years, and he'd done amazing things for charity, and. Yeah. You know, there was cases of people being prosecuted for just some sort of mockery or some sort of um, posts about him, offensive posts. Mm -hmm. Every society on the face of this earth has its own limits as a community which it sets to say that these are our boundaries, you have to respect them. Mm -hmm. And so what the Prophet did at that time or or the Qur'an did at that time is irrelevant to what is an international standard of how societies deal with their own sacred spaces and so the quran you know it says that do not um, you know curse those that they worship other than allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so that they would then slander or 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 swear about, swear, swear god swear upon god and uh, without knowledge of what it, what they're saying in other words, you don't start something because somebody will start something against you. And so this is why they say in English, don't, you know, people that live in glass glass houses don't shouldn't throw stones.
1: Mm.
0: It's a different thing. We have to establish very clear international protocols of what's permissible and what's not, what's acceptable for our societies, what's not. Mm. Every sane society should accept that. And so, for example, France, which is as the bastion of free speech, it takes perfect um, pleasure in in the slander of the Prophet Islam, but will un- will not accept. And there was a, a case of a person who I think it was in Marseille who 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 used the French flag to clean his you know after going to the passing you know the call of nature. I, I'm sure he used it to clean himself. Mm. He's prosecuted. Why should he be prosecuted? I mean, what's what's so special about that piece of cloth? If you're such a secular society, then you should be able to exactly. you know, put up or, or shut up. Essentially, no, because they're saying there's something sacred. Why is it sacred? You're a secular state. No. So essentially, the discussion is about nations being transparent and enforcing um, a, a level playing field in terms of what everybody accepts are sacred spaces. And for us, there's nothing more sacred than the honor of the Prophet والسلام, and that discussion should take place at the international level, at the at the level of law and and treaties and where is where it works, this is where it works. Which filters then into electronic media, um, you know, and all these kind of things. So, you know, if it if it can't go into a social media site, then it'll be brought down. All these things, we have to, you know, start the discussion at that level, because that's where everything starts and that's where everything is implemented.
1: Surah Anbiya uh, is uh, what we uh, are discussing, uh, the, the ayahs from uh, Inshallah, which will be carrying on this theme throughout this month of Ramadan. Um, the ayah number three is what we kind of branched out from uh, where, where people uh, are secretly talking to each other and saying, you know, he's only a man. But we also know Prophet Sallallahu with his name Habibullah, he is mm-hmm. Habib of Allah, uh, such a lofty position, such a lofty station for someone to have, and so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala describes him wasalam, as Habibullah.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's it, I mean, I'm saying he's not like you, and the reason why he's not like, he has all these amazing qualities, and and you just mentioned one which is, Habib, he's the Habib of Allah subhanahu the, the beloved, we would translate it as beloved of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala And this doesn't come from the Quranic verse per se, it comes from numerous hadith that we have from Prophet Such as one of the narrations from Imam Tirmidhi, I believe, in which the Prophet said that in Allah Ibrahim, um, that God took um, Ibrahim as his close confidant, somebody he would speak to and have close to him and he, took, and he took Musa as Najeeullah Najeeullah is one of the names of the Prophet Moses Which is that, it comes from Najwa actually Najwa is what we just discussed This close, secret conversation And in the Prophet Moses was, was as, as you know, blessed By being called Kalimullah Which is the one that God spoke to And also the Prophet said that Isa is the, the Ruh of God the, the Spirit of Allah and His Word And then the Prophet said They all have the right to, to this and the Prophet said that I am the, the beloved of Allah. And this essentially is telling you these all these prophets have these names, whereas I have a specific name which is the beloved of Allah. And I, I'm not I, I I'm not boasting. Boasting why? Because it's worthy of boast. Which means that the Prophet had the, the relationship that God had given him with Allah, that he wasn't just a prophet, he was the one that God loved, beloved. Now, you know, if you if think of what beloved is, loved, you know, to the point of more than anything else. In other words, this is a special status, which, you know, if you have, for example, a number of children and somebody asks you which is your favourite child, favourite, but which do you love the most, um, then you're talking about Habib, then you're talking about the one you can't say they're all ha- hibba. This is different. Hibba mm-hmm. are just like you know associates that you love. Habib is an you know an exaggerated form of the thing that you love specifically and only. And so what you're talking about is Allah has expressed His specific love for the Prophet sallallahu and that is you know how can you how can you explain that and then still try and say that he's like other human beings you know so everything you know everything that you think about when you manifest when you say okay what does that mean then he's the Habib you know you can do, the fact the Prophet will be interceding for people in the day of judgment know, delaying the, the punishment for people in the hereafter the fact that he is the final prophet of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala no prophet will come after him the fact that he is uh, in fact, you know, you could actually say that every name the Prophet had, every quality, every, every special station the Prophet had, was well, as a result of the fact that God took the Prophet as His habib. You know that you know anything you say about the Prophet that you can think about that anybody to praise the Prophet with, is as a result of the fact that he is the most specifically loved yeah, of God's creation. That's it. So, your, your explanation would be every single thing that you can say about this person who was sent by God with the Quran and just being the person who's sahib al risala, the fact he was given the final message. Would you not give that to somebody you love the most? You know, the person that you would want to represent you and the one that's in prostration on the day of judgment, and the Prophet said that I will be prostrating in front of the, 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 the throne of God. And Allah will say to him, mm-hmm. You know, Muhammad, raise your, raise your head. Um, seek intercession for people. You will be granted your intercession. Ask people for what you want. They will be given it. Is that not all just a small drop in the notion of the fact that God loves him more than anything else? Like he would not, resp- he would not repulse anybody, you know, because the Prophet asked for them. You know, you know, it just comes up to, to knowing,
1: knowing, of... knowing, knowing. So, knowing that Prophet ﷺ is the loved person by Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala, and he has been given the name Habibullah, how does it affect me, my faith? Mm. What? How does it have any reference to my everyday living? how does it improve my living by knowing that he's a people love
0: it, it just means that if you if first if you believe that you're created and you're sustained by a creator and a sustainer and that you have a, a a a debt towards the one that brought you into existence and allows you to enjoy all these great great things that you enjoy in life and just the chance of living and that that creative force which is Allah has a beloved who is a human being sent to people It just tells you that you need to actually look at this beloved The least of what you need to do is look at him Study him mm-hmm. Observe him Listen to him And then once you listen to him You're into a different realm of possibilities Because once you listen to him or come close to him You know like Sayyidina Ali said Man ra'ahu, ra'ahu what, Whoever saw the Prophet for the first you know, Ahaba, whoever saw the Prophet for the first time was in awe of him, just awestruck by the presence of this majesty. And whoever um, came to know him in close proximity came to love him. You, all you're told to do is, you know, the thing that you worship, that being has a beloved. And guess what? He came to earth, he lived and he passed away, and he came with a message, and he had teachings, and the teachings gave life to dead hearts and he brought communities together that you could never imagine. Like Marmuk de he said that what greater miracle is there than the, the fact that the Prophet came and within the period that he was on earth, he raised the level of women to a status equal to men and he re- obliterated the difference between the black and the white and he created a system where no one would be economically oppressed by the other. All this within a generation. You know, essentially, Yes, absolutely. You're thinking about who is the greatest person that lived on the face of this earth You're saying Muhammad Sallallahu And who is he? He's the beloved of God And so you're just in this kind of circular situation where if you love God As I said before If you love God, claim that love Follow me, God will love you And it goes like a cycle And your life is essentially a cycle You're saying you love God, go to the Prophet Sallallahu you will, you will end up loving God And God will love you and this is fascinating, because if you follow the Prophet, you will be Habib of Allah as well, in a, in a lesser sense. يُحْبِبْكُمُ Allah, God will love you, not make you the Beloved. Sorry,
1: sorry, 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 sorry. what was that? So if you believe... If you
0: that, follow the Prophet, you will you be, be the Beloved. You will be the one loved by God, not the Beloved Habib, but the Mohib. you will be loved by God. Not as a special station, but as a station of honoring you for loving and following the Prophet sallallahu Wasallam. So it's this a simple thing. You follow the Prophet, you can say, equals, God loves you.
1: And,
3: and you can go to sleep. To you can go
0: to sleep. You can go to sleep happy, knowing that God loves you. Khalas.
1: <laughs> Surah Anbiya uh, with Sheikh Rudwan Muhammad. And just trying to understand what Habibullah means. Leave you with this Mustafa Jani Rahmat Bilakhu Salam, uh, with reflections and Sheikh Ruzwan Muhammad Salaam Alaikum.